This is Animals Voice Podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm Kevin McKenzie, and I'm your host. This is Season 2, Episode 3, and at this point I'm very happy to introduce Dr. Fran Rotundo. Dr. Rotundo joins us from Mariel, Canada. How are you? I'm really good. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Uh, I want to hear a little bit about you. Tell me about yourself and how long have you been involved in animal welfare? Well, I am am a veterinarian. I uh, graduated from Ontario Veterinary College in 1998 and I was practicing. I practiced for about nine to ten years and then I left private practice to go into industry, so to work in the pharmaceutical industry, and I currently work with Mariel Canada, which is a pharmaceutical company for animal health. Okay. That is what I'm currently doing. How long have I been involved in animal welfare? All my life, yeah. since rescuing, you know, kids burning uh, um, grasshoppers okay. with, you know, magnifying glasses. I've always been concerned about the welfare of our our uh, sentient beings on this earth. Nice, nice. So it's a lifelong love of <laughs> yes, animals. Then. Yes. Was that a, a, a difficult uh, transfer from private practice and going into industry? Uh, yes, it was. It was a different, uh, definitely different, uh, working in private practice versus working in a corporate setting. Okay. Uh, as you can imagine, corporate setting is much more structured and. Um, a lot of hierarchy with managers and levels of the organization. So mm-hmm. it's very different from working in a private practice. But you're, but you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it very much. Awesome. Uh, tell me about vaccinations. Are they really necessary? Yes. Uh, short answer is yes. Vaccinations are necessary. And um, a part of my uh, work in industry has been with vaccinations because I do work for companies that make, manufacture vaccinations uh, for animals okay and uh, also in practice obviously I was uh, involved in vaccinating animals as well so um, one really important distinction to make between vaccination and immunization um, and our goal is to immunize animals okay so when we see puppies and kittens and they're having their primary vaccinations mm-hmm. it's important for people to understand that they do have to have a series of vaccines before we can consider them to be immunized okay. against the diseases that we're vaccinating for. Okay. So I think you just answered my next question I was going to ask, which was how do vaccinations yes. work? So yeah. uh, to the layman on the street, someone comes up yeah. to you and says, why, you know, why am I getting my dog or cat vaccinated? Is that the answer you would give? No, basically, vaccines are basically tricking the body into thinking it has been infected with an agent, so it stimulates the immune system. So we're basically preemptively infecting our like a body with this infectious agent so that we can teach the immune system that a this is the organism that you want to attack Mm -hmm. and b this is how you're going to do it so when we're vaccinating for for instance rabies we're presenting to the to the host to the dog or the cat um, a rabies virus antigen and we are presenting that to the body's immune system to say this is what we want you to attack if you see this invader then mount an immune response. So the next time that animal, if the animal is exposed to rabies virus, 
its immune system goes, oh, I, hey, I remember this. I know how to deal with this guy. Okay. And then it can mount an appropriate immune response. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Uh, you, now, you've mentioned rabies. Mm-hmm. What, what other diseases do we vaccinate against? So we have what's called core diseases that we will vaccinate animals for, and uh, for dogs and cats, and for livestock. And these are the diseases that are deemed uh, really prevalent in our area and also very contagious and diseases that don't have a great treatment plan. So rabies is one of them. Mm-hmm. The other core vaccines that we do in, uh, in Canada and, and North America in general are canine distemper, uh, canine parvovirus, and canine adenovirus. Those are the three uh, other core vaccines that we give to dogs. For cats, we do uh, herpes virus, otherwise called feline viral rhinotracheitis. We do feline calici virus and feline panleukopenia, which is caused by parvovirus in cats. You know, what's fascinating to me is I can't spell any of the words you just said. <laughs> uh, sorry. Now, do, do I need to, uh, people think about vaccinations and having their, their pet taken to the vet? Is it a yearly uh, ritual? Is it important to have vaccinations every year? Or if an animal is an indoor animal, for example, is it less important? What is your stance on that? Yeah, that's a great question. And that is something that's really evolved and changed over the last, I would say, the last two decades, definitely, even from the time that I graduated to now. Um, we know that for certain viruses that we vaccinate against, we can get a pretty long-lasting immune response. Once uh, a puppy or kitten has had their primary injections um, and they become adults, so two years of age and older, we know that a lot of these viruses, once we mount an immune response to them, they, we develop memory cells in our body mm-hmm. so that we can respond to that again much much quicker the next time we're exposed to that, to that virus. Um, so, for instance, for our core vaccines that I've already talked about are uh, distemper, adeno, and, and parvo in dogs, and our, our panlu, calici, and, and, pan, and um, rhinotracheitis in cats, those viruses actually, we can get a really long immune response from those. So it's quite common for veterinarians to do those vaccines either, they can, you can do it every year, and they're on label to be done every year. Okay. However, a lot of veterinarians will do every two years or even up to every three years okay. for those vaccines and a lot of the companies ours included we will stand by our products our core vaccines and say you are okay to do DAP or FERCP every three years because we believe that the immunity and the memory cells last that long okay now rabies is different rabies is a a legal a political disease you have to follow the label of the rabies vaccine so if you're using a one-year labeled rabies vaccine like imrab one you have to do that every year okay you you can't stray from that if you're using imrab three then you have to do it every three years and you cannot stray from that okay Okay. Uh, in cats we use uh, purevax rabies which is a recombinant non-adjuvanted rabies vaccine that is labeled to give every year you can't fool around with that because rabies is a political disease. In Ontario, we're mandated to follow rabies regulations. Okay, okay. Well, wh- at what age should people be vaccinating their pets? Like how, how young into puppyhood or, or kittenhood should, should vaccinations be introduced? Mm-hmm. Uh, when people adopt, hopefully they're adopting a pet that needs a home from a shelter. Thank you. And Yes, <laughs> definitely. So if they're adopting that pet and uh, they get it rather young, when we first start vaccinating puppies and kittens is at eight weeks of age. That is a general acceptable time to start. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're big enough and they should be, they should be healthy. That's 
bottom line all the time when you're doing vaccinations they need to be healthy so eight weeks of age and then we do every three to four weeks so for instance eight weeks of age 12 weeks of age 16 weeks of age and then by 16 weeks of age we can usually stop vaccinating and then a year later so when they a year after that last booster mm -hmm. they get revaccinated so that's their first adult vaccine. Okay. The 16 week of age time point is really important uh, because that's the time that we believe maternal antibodies are depleted enough in the puppy or kitten so that the maternal antibodies will not interfere with the vaccination we're trying to do. Uh, I think I, I want you to paint a picture. I know the answer. I think I know the answer. Uh, what happens if I don't get my pet vaccinated? What if, what if I never have any of this work done with my, mm -hmm. my animal? Well, there are consequences of that. So in dogs, um, we don't see a lot of distemper anymore because the vaccinations have been so successful. But in the eight, I would say in the 80s, um, 80s and definitely in the 70s, there was a lot of distemper virus. And when dogs got distemper, they it was very difficult to treat. And a lot of those puppies would end up dying from distemper. Can you describe a, a dog suffering Dis from distemper? Distemper, um, it's basically their whole body systems are, all their body systems are affected so they will have vomiting, diarrhea, they have upper respiratory disease, uh, they become very debilitated, uh, they're extremely immunosuppressed um, and these dogs are, they, they debilitate very quickly and deteriorate and it's very difficult to get them back from that. Okay. Parvovirus is another one and we still have outbreaks of parvovirus everywhere and which is uncalled for because it's a completely preventable disease but we see a lot of parvovirus and parvovirus puppies um, have severe vomiting and diarrhea uh, they get extremely dehydrated and then their body can go into septic shock wow. so these puppies again if they're quite young and debilitated they they die this is a fatal disease and it's very serious so when people don't vaccinate properly and and let that time lapse and don't get that done these puppies are very prone to parvovirus are, are these vaccines safe are they all 100 percent safe for the animals i, 100, I never say 100 okay. percent about anything except death and taxes, taxes yes <laughs> um but uh, vaccines are for the most part safe but you will have animals and this uh, for any animal, human animal and animal animals, we can have a vaccine adverse reaction. Mm -hmm. If you are allergic or hypersensitive to vaccinations, uh, either the antigen that's used or the, the process to make the vaccine, you know, there's a lot of protein in there. Mm -hmm. Individuals can be allergic or sensitive to vaccination. Okay. And that does occur. So there's different things that can happen. You can have an aller a true allergic reaction. And I don't know if you've ever seen that, but if a dog or a cat or a person has a, an allergic reaction to something, their face swells up. So you get facial edema. They'll get puffy eyelids. Mm. Um, they might have hives mm -hmm. and itchiness all over. And this is a, a typical type 1 acute hypersensitivity. And that can happen uh, in, in any animal. Um, and that is, it's treated with steroids and, and diphenhydramine, which is an antihistamine, and those animals can recover quite well. Okay. So as I do research and I'm looking on Google, for example, yeah, I'll, 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 no, well, I'll read things uh, that suggest, okay, uh, vaccinations can cause cancer in cats, so don't get them done. Do you have any positioning for, for that sort of uh, rhetoric that's out there? 
Yeah, there. I mean, there's certain things that have more validi- validity than others, and some scientific research and okay. scientific, you know, statistical information. Um, cancer, cancer in cats. When people are talking about that, they're referring mostly to fibrosarcomas, which can occur at vaccination sites in cats. Okay. And it seems to be just the cat that is affected by this. We don't see this in dogs, and all cats, even wild cats, can be affected by this. And the one of this, there's many things that can cause this in cats. Many types of injections. The the main, the bottom line, or the the main. Um, issue seems to be inflammation, chronic inflammation at a site. So it can be from an injection, from trauma, just chronic inf- inflammation. And that's what, actually one of the reasons why Marielle developed non-adjuvanted uh, vaccines for cats, because adjuvant is something we add to vaccines to help it work. Okay. So killed vaccines have an adjuvant added yeah. to help them stimulate an immune response by their very nature adjuvants are inflammatory that's their job is to be inflammatory so by removing one inflammatory agent from a vaccine we can make it less inflammatory and hopefully reduce the risk of fibrosarcoma in these cats so the whole purevax line of muriel vaccines that's that's their whole their the whole crux of it is no adjuvant is there excellent Okay. okay So yeah, so that's one reason that cats that's that gets that's a bad why rap. it's out there that gets a bad rap, and also um, there's other diseases too that have been implicated, but not a hundred percent proven okay. to be linked to vaccination. So at the end of the day, it's a lot more beneficial to be oh, embracing vaccinations of your pet yes, rather than not. We've, I mean, we've vaccines have eradicated so many diseases. We can't ignore that. On the human side, on the animal side, we've eradicated diseases with vaccine programs. We can't ignore that. There is a percentage of, and that's with anything, there's a percentage that people are going to have a bad response, mm-hmm. a hypersensitive response, and we deal with those as they come. But the, the number of that occurring is very small. The risk of that is small compared to the risk of disease if we don't vaccinate for these deadly diseases. Okay. If our listeners want to find out more information about vaccines, is there one source that you think is the best one for people to, to go to to check it out? There there are good sources for people to find out, like good sources. We have to be really careful what we find on their internet. Uh, we can't depend on Wikipedia for everything. <laughs> you know, it's good for some things, but not for medical information. No. So if they want some good information, um, there are good websites they can go to. In Ontario, we have the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association website okay. um, that does allow for guests to the site to look for information. Um, there's there's a really great website put out, uh, developed by one of our, uh, by Dr. Scott Weiss at Ontario Veterinary College called uh, the Worms and Germs blog. Okay. Worms and Germs, all one word, blog.com. Um, and he talks about basically that, worms and germs. So that's a great one too. Okay. And then within those websites, you can usually find links to other ones. Sure. And then company links are great too. Like Marielle has a has a great website for pet owners and any of the other pharmaceutical companies. So if they're, they're going to a reputable, you know, website first and then look at links from there. Okay. Um, and try to avoid just, you know just random bloggers or random people just posting their opinions uh we're all entitled to our opinions but we need to look at facts too yeah and sometimes opinion can be passed along as (laughs) fact so that that can be challenging to tell the difference right um is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about vaccines or muriel before you go 
I, I think in general, um, what I'd like to really impart to listeners is that um, your primary um, information source, in any case, please refer to your veterinarian. Have a veterinarian client patient relationship with your veterinarian. They will know what's best for you and your pet. Excellent. Dr. Fran Rotundo, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Very welcome. We'll talk to you again. All right. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all of our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice.